Yeah. Okay, Jeff's not feeling well. I was wondering maybe if he had to work or not, but Jeff's not feeling well, so let's uh, let's keep Jeff in our prayers. Miss him and his family when he's not here. Appreciate that. We're going to begin this afternoon in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Let's notice the first 11 verses. Paul, as was his habit in writing, would uh, give a greeting as most of the the New Testament writers would do that. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints of Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. You know, memories are a wonderful thing. Sometimes... When things are going a little bit rough for us, perhaps we're a little sad, we're having a bad day, we can think back on some memories that we have of certain people, maybe someone who's impacted our lives in such a way, and we think maybe of something that they might do or maybe a way in which they might approach uh, the, the circumstances and it might lift us up a little bit. Might perhaps make a day that is a little sad into a day that is a little brighter. But memories are also uh, odd things, aren't they? Have you ever forgotten something? Maybe our memory is not as good as uh, maybe it once was at a certain time. It may have been something that was inconsequential. We may have forgotten something that really didn't matter. didn't matter as much as we thought it uh, mattered. Or maybe it was something that was pretty important. Maybe we forgot a pin number to a debit card. Or uh, maybe we forgot a... Uh, the, the number to our keypad that worked the uh, alarm system to our home or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I've come into uh, the building here and I've put in the, the, the number that goes to the one at my home. Hey, that's interesting. That causes a problem, you know. That's not the correct number. And so then uh, sometimes the alarm goes off. And I don't know if you've been in this building when the alarm goes off, but you can hear it for miles around. And then you got to rush in, you got to call a number, you got to plead and beg, give them a secret code, tell them who you are. And I, I said, please, just turn the alarm off. Turn the alarm off. And uh, But then you, you, maybe you do something in life, or you have an experience, and you think, boy, I will never forget this. 
I'll never forget it. I'll remember every single detail about this for as long as I live. And then sure enough, over time, begins to fade, doesn't it? Maybe you don't remember every single detail. Maybe you just remember in general the day something happened. You remember it pretty well, but maybe you don't remember every single detail. Well, that's the way things happen with memories, right? There's a there's a story told about a, a young man who had an older family member who lived out in the country, and he grew up in the city. He didn't know anything about country living, and he went to visit his his uh, family members, and so he went out onto the farm, and he's watching things happen, and the the older gentleman, he uh, is rounding up the cattle, and so he calls out to his dog, and the dog goes out and rounds up the cattle and brings all the cattle into the barn, and when he gets through with putting the cattle where they need to be, he comes out and he shuts the gate and latches it with her paw. Boy, the young man is just astounded. He said, that's, that's an amazing dog you got there. And the, the older gentleman says, yeah, she sure is. He says, uh, what's that dog's name? He scratches his head and he thinks for a minute. He says, now what's that flower that's red? Smells really good and has some thorns on it and it's kind of got long stems. And he says, that's a rose. He said, that's right, rose. He looks over at his wife and says, hey, Rose, what do we call this dog? You know, memories, uh, sometimes they, they don't do exactly the way we want them to do, but they're, they are a wonderful thing. Memories are a blessing and, and it will allow us to recall events for moments and even years ago that that help us to relive some things and it brings back emotion. And we read that in, in the things that Paul stated there, right? I call and I think of you and I thank God of every remembrance of you. Now what does that tell us about Paul and his thinking about these people? He does it regularly, doesn't he? Because it brings a joy to him. And if anybody needed some joy in his life and a little escape from the toil and the trouble of his life, it had to have been the Apostle Paul. It allows us to remember loved ones, perhaps loved ones who've gone on into eternity. And we remember the love, the blessing, the joy, the excitement, and the wonder of the things that have been brought to our lives. It's an amazing gift. And you know where we got those gifts? You know who gave us the gift of memory? God gave us the gift of memory. And He gave it to us for a reason. He gave it to us to be enjoyed. He gave it to us to be reminded so we can learn from it and we can put it to use in our lives. Also, when we endure difficult times, memories are there to help us get through that. I've called this sermon... Memories are a blessing because they are a blessing. But there are times when memories can fail us. Disease, age, and time all seem to dilute our memories. And really, not necessarily age, but just time in general, right? Time in general. We all have memories from years gone by and we may at times wonder if we remember them correctly. There come a time, or there may come a time, when our memories may fail us completely. And that happens. That happens. In the passage before us, the Apostle Paul addresses the blessing 
of memories. He wrote to the Christians in Philippi, and his memories of them rose to the surface. We see it almost immediately in his letter, and they can be seen throughout it. As Paul was comforted by these memories, and as he wrote to them, Paul was in prison. He was in prison in Rome. The year was about 62 A.D., and he was set to testify and bear witness of God just as he was told that he would do, but he wouldn't do it as a free person. He was going to do it in, in bonds as a Roman prisoner. And as he put his message in writing, he reminisced about the relationships that he had had in the past with these special folks. Now I want us to consider Paul's memories because his memories teach us a lot about our own memories and how beneficial they are to us and how we ought to remember our fellow laborers in the gospel. And that's something that ought to be very important. Maybe it's not something we think about a whole lot, but I think it's something that's beneficial. And we want to make memories, and we want to be thankful for these memories. Paul began with the things of the past, but you kind of have to begin with things of the past if we're talking about memories. And he addressed his letter to the saints in Christ who are at Philippi, right? And so he begins to think about the things of the past. He was recalling, in fact, a common salvation. This was a common salvation that he enjoyed with these fellow Christians. In verse 2, he called on the name of God our Father. In verse 5, he reminded them of their fellowship in the gospel, and he called them brethren eight times. Brethren, eight different times. He used those phrases to bring their minds or to bring to their minds these memories that he had, and he wanted them to be shared as well. He wanted them to think about them. He wanted them to flood into their memories as well as they had flooded into his. See, memories remind us of the past, and they ought to remind us of a common past, right? Particularly among Christians. He remembered his own conversion. Acts chapter 9. We remember that, don't we? He remembered the events which led him to Philippi, Acts chapter 16. And he remembered those who uh, had obeyed the gospel there. We open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 16, and we all remember Lydia. We remember the demon-possessed girl. We remember the jailer and his family. We recall the fellowship that they shared with each other, and those memories filled his heart, Philippians chapter 1. He recalled all of that. And I don't think there's any greater joy than recalling the time when those we love obey the gospel. That's a wonderful moment in time. And I think we can look around us and we can enjoy and rejoice in the common love and the common salvation that we enjoy. But there are no memories unless we make memories, right? We have to make them. And God expects us to have the blessings of memories. Paul wouldn't talk about it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit if it was not important. How could Paul have had those memories without carrying out the great commission of Matthew 28, 18 through 20? Now Paul recalled the past memories of a common salvation and he recalled the past memories of a common service. The common salvation led 
to a common service. He said, being confident of this very thing, verse 6, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, he was proud of being a servant alongside those in Philippi. That was something that he was honored to do. He was proud of that relationship. Now, the, the word that we get this word servant from actually means slave. It means being owned by someone, and that's, that, that's the true meaning of a Christian, right? Having a master. Having a master in the proper sense, right? And that's exact, exactly what the redeemed are. Notice what Paul told those in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 19. He said, what? He asked the question, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. See, once a person dedicates himself or herself to God, we're not our own anymore. We have given ourselves to God and we have that obligation. We belong to God. We're God's anyway, right? God's the creator. God gave us life. But particularly when we dedicate ourselves to God, we are His for His service. When we have been separated, sanctified for His cause, now we are His. The saved are slaves of Jesus. And we ought to do what He asked us. The Christians in Philippi were co-laborers with Paul. They were... They were Paul's sponsoring congregation. They helped to support him when no other congregation would do that. And they stood shoulder to shoulder as he faced all of these different trials in his life. Those common memories of the past, we share as people, as a people, right? And that's what Paul's getting at here. We're co-laborers in the gospel, and and God wants us to, to... have the blessings and the memories with each other to enjoy that. He wants us to build new memories as we continue to labor in the gospel. We should always remember and honor those with, with whom we have worked. You know, isn't it, isn't it a, a, a joy to be able to, to sit with those and say, you know, I remember the time we did this or that. I remember the time when we, when we came together and and we did the door knocking campaign and, and we walked all over this area and and uh, I remember when, when Tom and Nellie was up in this part and they were doing this and, and then we had the folks that were back here and they were making the, the sandwiches and getting the lunch ready and you know, and then then Greg and Holly ran into that crazy woman over there who tried to attack them and had and run them off. You know, I mean you know we think about humorous things and we think about this and that and you know, but the idea is this we were laboring together. And it was difficult work, wasn't it? And then we can all make up a story about Wesley. You know, it doesn't have to be true, it just has to be funny, right? And then we tell whoever we want to tell about it. And but we were laboring together. And that's what Paul was talking about, this labor that we have for God. And he's remembering that, right? But how do we make memories of the past? Well, you have to first start with activities of the present, right? That's our second point. Everything doesn't happen in the past. It has to begin in the present, 
right? Paul remembered the uncommon love that they shared now. And when you think about that uncommon love that you shared that began so long ago, it always had to start in the present at some point, right? And he recalled that. He said in verse 8, For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. They were very dear to Paul. They shared a love. That kind of love is not found in the world. The world doesn't truly understand what love is. They shared a Christ-like spiritual love that transcends all things. Right? The very love about which he spoke to those in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 13, 1 through 8. Love is this and this, but it's not that, right? Love has all those characteristics of which Paul spoke to the Corinthians. That's the love which will characterize the people of God, that agape love. Oh, the, the love between Christians and the love that, that Paul had for those in Philippi was brotherly love. It had all those other intimate and emotional loves as well, but it had that, that highest form of love, right? That love that, that's going to do what's best for you as well. Notice what Jesus told His apostles in John 13, verse 15. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you after having washed their feet, right? He demonstrated His great love for them. And that's what they were to do. They were to demonstrate that love and and John reminded his readers, those who are saved, love those who are saved. We love the world as well, but we ought to prefer our brethren. Does that mean that, that the brethren never get on each other's nerves? <laughs> Look, we're people, right? That happens from time to time. We're to prefer our brethren. We're to love each other with a brotherly love, right? We're to be concerned when, when one of our brethren calls and says, Look, I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to be able to be there this afternoon. That ought to concern us, right? We find out one of our sisters has hurt her back. We need to say, Why? Well, I'm going to call and find out what's wrong with, with our sister. You know, we, we need to be concerned. That's called brotherly love, right? Preferring one another. That's what Paul's talking about. We built Why? Because we've built memories. We've built a relationship. Paul had done that. Paul had done that. And that rises to the top in the very beginning of his letter. We see the love that he's had. We always ought to be thankful for those who love us and for those we love. What would we do? What would we do without those people in our lives? Wouldn't it be a terrible life? Wouldn't it be miserable? The world does not possess the love possessed by Christians. They just don't have it, and they do not understand it. You see, the world's love is all about self-gratification. What can I do for me, and what have you done for me lately? Not what can I do for you, right? It's what can you do for me, and it's all about me. They do not understand the love of Christ. They don't get it. That's why they, they want to look at the Bible as some kind of a myth or tall tale. No one gives themselves up as a sacrifice for hateful people. No one does that. That's why they, they can't wrap their minds around it, right? The blessings of memories 
allowed Paul to contemplate the uncommon love of his present activities and the uncommon love of all the labor they shared. He told them, verse 9, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. What happens when love abounds? It translates into the labor of love, right? How many of us consider, not just us, true Christians throughout the world, how many true Christians throughout the world consider the work of the church, the work of a Christian, as something that's a drudgery? We consider it something that we look forward to doing, right? You know, we did, uh, uh, the ladies, Carl had this thing kind of spearheaded that we were taking meals to to some of our shut-ins. How many of our our ladies, and and, and that's usually who uh, uh, participates in these things, and we're thankful for our sisters for doing this. They usually carry the burden for this. We're taking meals to our shut-ins. How many of our ladies said, boy, man, we've got to do this again? They enjoyed that, didn't they? We enjoyed doing that. We enjoyed doing that. We, we were able to take a meal to someone we love. Well, we get to see them because we hadn't seen them in a while. We, we see that they enjoy it, and that makes us happy. You know, it was Christ who said it's better to give than to receive. Why is that? Because it makes us happy. It makes us happy. It's better for the one to give than the one receiving because you know what? The one receiving would a whole lot rather be able to be out doing that too. The world doesn't understand that. That's why Christians love to do it. We love to be with each other. We love to help each other. And listen, that's why we ought to, to receive it, right? Christians sometimes have a problem receiving Listen, brethren, receive the gift. Receive the gift. If someone wants to help you out, receive it. How are we going to give if no one will receive? We have to do it. And we've got some some folks here that we love better than anything, but they got a little problem with receiving, right? Listen, brethren, receive. You've got to receive. Or else the rest of us can't give. i got a problem with it sometimes, but I think I'm going to turn over a leaf. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. The next time someone wants to bring me something, hey, I'm going to open up the door and bring it on in. Okay? I'm going to bring it on in. Hadn't been that long ago when, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but Ron and Mary brought in two big old buckets of soup over to the house. Man, it was good too. And i got a little problem with receiving sometimes because, you know, you want to be the one giving. You want to be the one giving. Listen. Let your brothers and sisters help you out, right? Let your brothers and sisters help you out. Paul later described in his letter what comes with the love of Christ. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. You know, no one wants to help you unless they love you. No one wants to help you unless they love you. We need to remember that. The blessings of memory help us do this labor of love. The same level of gratitude should fill the hearts of all Christians, and it does. It does. But we can't have gratitude unless someone allows us to help, right? Remember, there are no memories unless we make memories. There are no memories unless we make memories. Paul talked about his past memories. 
He talked about his present activities. And now here's something that's, that's, that is kind of unique to this Philippian letter. You know, it was just a positive letter, wasn't it? That's our third point. It was a positive letter. After telling them he wanted their uncommon love to abound, in verse 9, he said this, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. He wanted them to grow in every aspect of their Christian lives. And he talked about the positive things they were doing. He loved them dearly. And he encouraged them. Now he always gave encouragement. Where, where encouragement, where he was able to do that. But in most of his letters, he was writing some kind of a rebuke. But the whole letter was full of positive thoughts and memories, right? The only negative that we can come up with was a statement that he said in chapter 4, verse 2. He said, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And that's the, that's the biggest rebuke we can find. That's not much of a, of a rebuke. But there must have been some kind of a conflict here between these two Christian ladies. Something was going on, but he understood that they knew how to mend their issue. He knew that they could, could take care of whatever hurt that existed between them, right? Now here's, the, here's why he knew that. The church at Philippi was not made up of perfect people. Just made up of people, but it was made up of faithful people. Right? That's, that's what he understood. Made up of faithful people. And people make mistakes from time to time. And he, knew, and he knew they could overcome it. That's why they were able to make all these wonderful memories. Would Paul have had a different tone with this church if they had needed it? Absolutely. Did he, did he not love the, the members at Corinth? Sure he loved the members at Corinth. Did he not love the members at Galatia? Absolutely he loved them. That's why he wrote letters to them. But these folks here didn't need the kind of, of address that these other churches needed. And so it was just a positive letter. They were faithful. And Paul demonstrated how we are to behave toward each other. He wrote to emphasize the positive attributes of faithful Christians, right? Not because they were sinless, because they were faithful. doesn't mean that from time to time people do not need to be addressed about a problem. But we have to do it in a way that is necessary, right? Different people need to be addressed different ways. It's very easy to be negative about our brethren sometimes, right? When we, when we love the way we should love, we will not be so quick to zero in on the negative. Not that we don't have to do that. Sometimes it's very necessary. But we see that Paul did it in the appropriate way. Paul wanted those in Philippi to continue to grow in a positive way. And he knew the only way for that to happen was for them to grow in the grace of God. That had to happen, right? The behavior of God, or the behavior that God expects was seen in these Christians. And they had to present that toward each other. And they were doing a good job. But it has to be founded in God's principles, not in the principles of the world. And we see that in Galatians 5, 19 through 24. Now we're not going to read that. But we need to read it 
and we'll need to study that. But what that passage talks about is Paul explained very clearly about the difference between the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. He laid out what the works of the flesh were, and he contrasted that with the works uh, or the fruit of the Spirit, right? He said the fruit of the Spirit against which there's no law. We need to live the fruit of the Spirit, right? And he said those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You didn't find the, uh, the works of the flesh in Philippi. Not among those folks. Not among, and you won't among faithful Christians, right? You go to Corinth, they had a problem. Paul told them to address it. And to their credit, they addressed it. We find that in the second letter. Paul wanted the brethren to view each other in a positive way and to build those, to continue to build wonderful memories. Memories are fabulous. They are wonderful. And again, love doesn't turn the blind eye to sin. Jesus called sin for what it was. It was sin. He addressed it. He didn't overlook it. Paul would never overlook sin. It just wasn't necessary in this letter. May we always put forth the Christian effort in looking for the positive in each other. That is necessary. And we talked this morning in a, a statement Paul made. We mentioned that. Preach the word, begins to in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You know, that's that that's one sermon. Sometimes the reproving and the rebuking is not as necessary as at other times. It's it's going to be necessary. But is it necessary every single time? I was telling the girls, I went to school with, with a particular brother, and he was one of the most, uh, man, outside the pulpit, one of the most gracious men I've ever been around. One of, the, one of the kindest men I've ever been around. But I don't know what happened to him as he was stepping into the pulpit. It was like a transformation happened to him, and he became one of the most angry people I've ever been around. He got in the pulpit, and he was just, uh, angry toward everybody and there was never any kind of an encouraging word came out of his mouth and the whole time you sat there it, it was hard to to even look at him because everything that came out of his mouth was just bad and uh, things were terrible and, and, and you couldn't be redeemed and it was just an awful thing and I thought surely, surely someone in this room has some kind of a redeeming quality about them. Not everyone is that bad. And I asked him one time, I said, uh, I said, brother, are we all that bad that we're going to go to hell? Is there no one out of these 50 preacher students, not a one of them is going to escape the fires of hell? Oh, well, yeah. I said, well, I don't know. When I sit and listen to you, it's, you know, I said, go, go back and listen to your sermons. It was it was just astounding, and and, and finally the the the, the uh, instructors had to have a talk with him, you know, encourage us to do better, you know, but encourage us in some way, and 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 tell us we're doing good where we're doing good. That doesn't mean we overlook, right? But do as Paul did. Paul wanted to send a letter of love and appreciation to the Christians at at Philippi, and his example is a good one that we ought to follow. He told those in Corinth, imitate me just as I also 
imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. I think may, may the memories of our common salvation and our common service bless us because they're wonderful. We've got wonderful memories that we've made together. And may the present knowledge of our uncommon love and our uncommon labor according to the world encourage us to greater love and labor. And may we continue in positive growth and in the grace of God and enjoy the blessing of memories. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation at this hour, if you need to come back to Him for for whatever the reason might be, through repentance and confession and prayer, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.